Hello everyone, I am back, this is your podcast, your centrist podcast, um, I know I haven't made an episode in a long time, I think that is understandable, when uh, you look at the, the current situation in North America, the US, in Canada, especially here where I live, um, in Quebec, uh, a lot of things have happened since we last uh, talk to each other there have been there has been a, a vaccine approval two of them f- for canada uh, the pfizer vaccine the moderna vaccine um there is definitely an end to this that is coming uh, that is much closer than we thought possible at the beginning of last year you know you remember when they used to say that um making a vaccine was gonna take you know two years, three years, even more. Uh, well, the scientists and the brightest minds in the world have come together to create vaccines. Um, I hear also that uh, soon Canada will approve the uh, Oxford vaccine, uh, the vaccine that was assigned at the University of Oxford in the UK. Uh, they have partnered with uh, this company called AstraZeneca and uh, they will be able to um, to provide more vaccines for people. Uh, I hear that this one is different. It doesn't use the mRNA uh, messenger technology that uh, Pfizer and Moderna are using. Uh, this is essentially your your um, normal, say, uh, old school type vaccine. You know, it uses a uh, weakened or dead version of the virus and uh, they they inject you with that and uh, your body still creates antibodies um, the numbers about efficacy of that vaccine aren't so clear to be honest with you i think it's a little you can get uh, i think it's just as effective as the other two vaccines but um not by much i'm not really sure um, the point being that we'll have more options uh, some more people should be get vaccinated soon uh, also you know, I'm recording this on uh, January 6th of 2021. And, uh, you know, we had a, a crazy episode happening at the Capitol uh, in Washington, D.C., where, um, you know, I guess Trump supporters and other people uh, stormed into the building. You know, um, I don't think they vandalized anything. Well, I mean, they broke windows and, you know, uh, maybe uh, stole a couple of... Uh, <laughs> of important pieces from the building but uh i i hear somebody was shot uh, i actually saw the video of a woman getting shot uh i guess by security forces uh crazy things man crazy things we're only january 6th and um but i don't want to talk about the us right now even though it's a hot topic because the only thing that is hotter than what happens in the us to me, it's uh, what happens here where I live in Quebec. Now, uh, at 5 p.m., our prime minister, he uh, delivered a, a news press conference in which he uh, informed uh, the population that uh, starting uh, this Saturday, this Saturday, uh, there will be a curfew that uh, people will have to respect uh, this will be between uh, 8 p.m. and 5 a.m. So people 
shouldn't be in the streets you know you cannot walk your dog you cannot go for a walk at night uh there's essentially no reason whatsoever for which anybody should be outside between 8 p.m and 5 a.m uh, and of course you know uh we've already uh been under strict confinement since um i believe it was the 24th last year last month uh, that was supposed to finish this coming Monday on the 11th, but uh, they have extended this up until the 8th, 8th of uh, February, if I'm not mistaken. Um, now, um, you know, obviously, when you look at the numbers of infections in this province, in this part of Canada, um, they are, the numbers aren't good. Uh, I feel... I. I I read that uh, people in the hospital are about uh, one thousand three hundred, one thousand four hundred, uh, and about two hundred people in the ICU, intensive intensive care unit, and uh, and every day we are greeted uh, with like two thousand five hundred or three almost three thousand uh, confirmed cases a day. Um, uh you obviously when when you you know take into consideration where the prime minister is you know he's going to be uh labeled responsible for all deaths and every death of covid um i suppose because you know the media uh, people in general believe that covid deaths are preventable and i think they're preventable at some extent um, but, uh, the reason I'm making a podcast tonight is because I feel that this is just too much. Uh, this is, this is too much. And, uh, I think the government, I think that, um, they do not necessarily know what they're doing. I think that uh, their incompetency is to blame for the current state of the healthcare healthcare system, of the number of cases out of control, and I reject the uh, narrative that people you know people are to blame for the current situation. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, because you know, uh, I guess the newspapers. Uh, people who have a Twitter account or a Facebook account, they keep asking people to stay indoors, to stay indoors, um, because we are the ones, you know, driving these infections. Um, I simply refuse to accept this narrative um, because I think that the management of the second wave has been atrocious. And the price we're going to pay, the price we're paying for the current confinement is too high for the rewards that we're getting. I mean, because, you know, um, I suppose that these people who sit at the parliament, they uh, they discuss this and they, sell, they tell to themselves, well, you know, people won't like this, but we're going to get in exchange. It's going to be worth it. Now, what are we going to get in exchange? I mean, I don't know. Because they're not clear about that. They have never told us, uh, well, you know, we're going to 
partially open business again when we hit a thousand cases a day or when 10 people die a day not 40 or not 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 50 because because currently those are the norm the numbers that we are being um uh thrown um you know uh, every day you read the news about 45 cases about 50 cases uh, i'm sorry um <laughs> about 40 deaths 50 deaths every day um the reason for which I believe that this is this has gone too far is because there is no scientific proof there is nothing that backs this that justifies these decisions now let me explain you why uh we have been in a form of confinement ever since September. If you recall, you know, ever since it, it started to get a little chilly, you know, a little colder cases, you know, because during the summer, cases were really low. I mean, I remember that at some point, the lowest number of cases we've had in a day has been 60. I remember sometime in, um, I think that was sometime in July or August, we had only 60 cases. You know, it was only like 80 cases, 100 maybe. And then by the end of August, you know, it was just, the numbers were creeping up to 100, you know, 200, 300, 500. And then by September, we were getting ready. We were getting close to the thousand, uh, to the thousand uh, cases mark. And um, that is when the government thought to themselves, uh, you know what, we have to do, <laughs> we have to do something because that's what they do. They are not, um, they are reactive. They are not preactive. Uh, so they only, uh, you know, started started reacting when when the cases uh, started to go up, uh, but I mean, that obviously didn't do anything, right? Um, then they decided to close restaurants, they decided to close the bars, they decided to close uh, a few businesses because uh, they, you know, cases kept going up, but didn't change the thing. So then they started. They said by december uh well we're gonna close everything we're gonna go back into confinement we're gonna do this for two weeks and you look at the numbers the numbers haven't changed now i'm not an uh, a virologist i'm not an epidemiologist but i know how to read numbers and uh i mean i don't think you need <laughs> you need a PhD in APD in 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 a in as a virologist or as an epidemiologist uh, to read numbers, you know, because when you read numbers, you can make your own conclusions. You can have an opinion. Now, of course, you know, um, <laughs> um, I'm not saying that I know more than those than these people working uh, at the government. Um, but, uh, I'm looking at the results. Uh, I'm looking at, at whether what they're doing is, is, you know, it's justifiable. And so far, you know, obviously it hasn't worked. It hasn't, it hasn't worked at all because things are spiraling out of control and they keep telling us that it's our fault. But I ask myself, how is it our fault when you know, the main sources of infections are schools and are 
workplaces. And this information, I'm getting it from um, statistics made here in uh, um, made here in Quebec by the government. You know, because they sometimes they display in the news, you know, what's um, the average age of uh, people who die, which is still between the 80 years old. And um, they also, you know, they talk about all, all the positive cases, what's the percentage that is coming from households, from the workplace, from school, from hospitals, from, you know, or they, or they simply don't know where it's coming from. Um, yes, uh, it's coming from schools. It's coming from the workplace. Ironically, schools are the last thing uh, this government wanted to close. Now, why are schools problematic, you may, uh, you may ask? Well, there are two things going on with the schools. Uh, the first thing, um, I mean, you can just go to any high school near your house, uh, or to any middle school, and you will see kids behaving like kids. Now, what does this mean? This means uh, not wearing a mask, wearing a mask in the wrong way, you know, gathering in large groups with all their, you know, with all their peers. And it's frustrating, but I mean, after all, they're kids, right? So these kids, since they're young, they tend to be uh, a huge portion of cases who are asymptomatic. These cases are uh, the cases that don't show any symptoms. So these kids... They go to school, you know, they uh, eat together, they go for a walk together, they go to the convenience store together, uh, they laugh, they hug each other, uh, they greet each other, they listen to, you know, they share their, their their music, they share their cell phones. I mean, you can imagine, you've seen it yourself, I'm sure, I'm sure that if you live near a school, you've seen it for yourself, that kids don't give two shits about what's happening out there. Because they're kids, I mean, yeah, it's frustrating, but after all, they're kids, can you really blame them? Um, and, and then these kids, as they're young and they become asymptomatic, they don't know that they have it, but they go to their houses, you know, they infect mama, they infect papa, they infect uh, their siblings, and then mama and papa go to work and then they infect people at work. Um, well, because you have to work with people at work. I mean, it's really difficult if you think about this, um, people who have to, who have no chance of, uh, say, um, staying at home, you know, I'm, I'm talking about essential workers like uh, grocery store clerks, cashiers, um, you know, you know, people who are like uh, um, civils. So I'm not talking about people who work who work in the healthcare system, but I'm working. I'm talking about people who work in pharmacies, in uh, convenience stores, grocery stores. Uh, just imagine a McDonald's, okay? Just imagine a McDonald's. Now, McDonald's restaurants are somewhat big for customers, but if you th if you look at the kitchen uh, <laughs> of every restaurant, there isn't really a lot of space. Uh, those, I mean, these places aren't designed to be um, spacious. These are designed to be um, efficient, to be effective, so that if you need, you know, uh, a chicken patty or you need a uh, a meat patty. Uh, you don't have to walk, you know, to the other side of the restaurant. It's right there. The fridge is right there. You open the door, you get what you need, and you go and fry it and flip it. And, and I, I know this because I worked at a McDonald's for one year before I got fired. Um, but 
but this 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 spaces aren't designed and I'm like people are moving all the time, right? Like because you have to go, I don't know, you get busy, so uh, you have to get the fries and you have to get the hamburgers and you have to get you know stuff from the fridge and uh, everybody's moving all the time, so there is always close contact. And uh, I mean, how can you really stop this at this point? Anywhere you work, say a pharmacy, if you want, uh, you you have to come into contact with people or you have to be close to them. It's really hard to maintain a two meter space from you and uh, someone else uh, during eight hours. You know what I mean? I mean, it's really uh, now that it's winter. Well, it's not like you can go and get your lunch outside. You have to stay inside. So you have to keep your space from others. Anyway, it's really difficult. It doesn't surprise me that workplaces are, you know, uh, about to, uh, the biggest source of, of new infections here in Quebec. But now, when 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 um, when the government decides to um, to go into lockdown, I assume that they look at what happened in the spring. Right, because it's spring, we it's uh we we face the first wave, and then by by the end of April and May, you know things started to get under control. Hospitalizations, you know, they went down. Uh, we came out of the lockdown. Uh, things got so so good at some point that bars were open, clubs were open, restaurants were open. I mean, I remember going to downtown Montreal at some point during the summer and things were pretty much normal. I mean, besides some people wearing masks in the street, uh, the I guess you can call it the vibe, the summer vibe that Montreal is really popular for. It was present. It was there. Uh, people really didn't care. I mean, you had the drug addicts, you had the homeless and you had the party people all, you know, talking to each other, being close to each other. Um and I always kept thinking, whoa, like cases are going to go up now because people don't give a shit. During the summer, fellas, people didn't give a shit about any rule whatsoever. I mean, you just had to go for a drive in your car and nobody gave a shit. Like nobody. And cases remained low, surprisingly. So what what that tells me is that as a few scientists told us at the beginning of the year, this virus is a lot less contagious, a lot less contagious during the summer because the virus doesn't like the warmth and it doesn't like the humidity. So it dies pretty quickly when it's humid or when it's hot. Uh, so I suppose that um, we underestimated how good we have it with, um, with the sun. We had it with the, with the summer, with the high temperatures. Times where it really seemed to me that we were never going to find ourselves in the place where we find ourselves now. Now, I mean, I, I am pretty sure, and, and it was the same all over the country. I mean, you look at the country, you look at uh, Ontario, you look at uh, British Columbia, you look at Alberta, you look at Winnipeg, uh, not Winnipeg, Manitoba. <laughs> um, you, look at all, you look at all the provinces and territories and cases were under control during this summer. Now, is it fair for you to credit the, I guess, the success story we had in the summer to the lockdowns? I don't think so. And let me tell you something else. 
At the beginning of the pandemic, uh, New York State was the state that was the most devastated by the pandemic. If you remember, numbers were scary in the city and in the state overall. It was the most affected state in the U.S. when this shit just had begun. Uh, I think it was New York State and also Washington State on the other side. Uh, California wasn't re- anyway. It doesn't really matter because what we're talking, what we're gonna talk about is is about New York. And uh, the governor of New York is, uh, his name is uh, Cuomo. He did uh, morning press briefings uh, pretty much every morning. And he will discuss, you know, the new, um, uh, the procedures, the measures. And the New York state was one of the states that had beginning to practice strict lockdown measures. So especially in the city, Uh, He told people, you know, stay at your houses, stay at your homes, stay at your apartments. Do not even think about going outside because things are just really scary. And cases cases keep going up by a lot. And New York State, uh, they did a lot of of contact tracing, right? So somebody will get infected and they will try to find out um, where the cases uh, were coming from. And they find out by the end of the first wave, that about 60 or 70 cases were coming from people who didn't go outside. I remember even a, a reporter asked him, well, like, why do you think this is? And then he, the, the governor called, called and answered the question. He just said to himself, well, it just surprises me. Well, it doesn't surprise me. Because think about this. Now, New York City is a city that hosts a lot of... Um, um, a lot of people who tend to live in large groups, right? Because um, paying a house or an apartment in New York is really expensive. So what people do is that you know they get a lot of um, they get a lot of people who want to live in the same apartment, and they always split the monthly uh, the monthly fare, the uh, the rent. Um, so when you tell people to stay at home, just imagine. You know, you're a whole month or a whole two months with like five, six, seven other people. Sometimes these people still have to go outside. They have to work. They get infected. Oh, but you can't go outside. You have to get you have to stay inside. So during these two months, people stay inside in apartments where like six or seven people live. And then you get a lot of infections there because people were staying inside. So you look at this situation here in Quebec. And, and and I'm pretty sure the government tells itself, or at least people advising the prime minister, they tell themselves, well, look, we had a success story back in the in the spring. It obviously worked for us. Let's do it again. The problem here is that I don't think confinements actually work. I think the thing that worked was the summer. That explains why as soon as we hit the colder months, September, uh, October, cases were skyrocketing. And I don't think people have changed their behavior that much since the beginning, to be honest with you. I mean, people who didn't give it, who didn't give a shit at the beginning, they don't give a shit now. And people who gave a shit at the beginning, they still give a shit today. So it's not like people are changing, oh, you know, oh, well, this week I'll respect the rules. Next week I won't respect the rules. I feel like people, because it's really hard to convince people to do, uh, to stop doing their lives if, if they don't do it, if they haven't done it voluntarily. Really, really hard because that's how people are. I mean, you're talking about people who have lived their entire lives with a certain degree of freedom 
and now you're taking it away from them. Well, they don't understand. I don't blame them, right? Because the the level of control the government is is exercising over us is uncalled for. I mean, I don't think that many people in their lifetimes have ever seen anything like this, except for people that come from countries where dictatorships or um or uh, centralized governments are a thing, right? So, I mean, is it really hard to admit that the warmth is was was our biggest ally in the summer? Well, no. No, it isn't hard, but it will cost the government everything. Because then they have no reason to uh, lock down people, right? Because lockdowns don't work. I mean, have you heard of any country in the in Europe, in America, and when I say America, I mean the continent, where they lock down their people for like I don't know a month or two, and they're oh cases are finally going down. I haven't heard of one. You know what I hear from though? I'm hearing uh, from South Korea, from New Zealand, from Australia. You know, really good examples of how to handle a pandemic. Uh, if you take a look at your calendar, in that part of the world, in, uh, you know, uh, South Asia and like o- Oceania, uh, right now it's the summer over there. I mean, is it completely because of the summer? No, I'm sure that, you know, New Zealand, they, I mean, they have uh, one person in a radius of like, I don't know how many kilometers, it's not a big country, but it doesn't have a huge population either. Um, but Australia, for instance, I mean, the summer is right now is happening there, right? And their cases are fairly under control. Uh, South Korea, though, I I believe that South Korea is the exception because they have really managed the pandemic well. Although they don't do the lockdowns like we do it here in the West. What they do over there is they do testing, a lot of testing, testing in mass. That's how they control the fucking cases because... Because instead of waiting for the best to happen, like we do it here in the West, like we do it here in uh, in Quebec, they sell they sell to themselves. Well, look, we'll never, never, never be able. And and South Korea is a government that is really tough on their people. Like uh, you know, privacy doesn't exist over there. They they fa- they can follow your credit card account. They they know where you are. They know how to find you. I and mean, they have cameras like in every street <laughs> i mean there are probably more cameras there than mcdonald's restaurants i mean all over the place but instead of doing the lockdowns uh, south korea does a lot of testing and you can go get a test and you get a result like in a few hours after through your cell phone and uh, then you have to follow a certain set of rules and then you know you go ahead you go ahead and you live your life uh but here in the west though we they just tell us you know what stay in your house um, stay in your house and, uh, you know, hope for the best and let's wait this out. Now, the problem with that, now I know that for some people, it, I mean, they don't really mind because, you know, this is a chance to stay at home, be lazy. Um, you know, maybe you apply for a, for a government check and you get paid. And we're fortunate that we live in a country that is able to afford so much debt and a country that is beginning to print a lot of bills. I mean, this is going to hurt in the future, though. Um, but you, you, uh, 
you, you, you look at the consequences, the side effects of a lockdown. Now, what are the side effects of a lockdown, you may ask? I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. So, um, I, I am reading in the Toronto Star newspaper. Uh, there is an article that was posted uh, last month on December 5th, 2020. And it states that one in 10 Canadians say that they've contemplated suicide since the pandemic began. One in 10 Canadians. So we are around 35, 35 million. So about like 3.5 million people have contemplated killing themselves. That's a lot, man. That's 10% of your population. And... You know, um, I think everybody has experience with with a mental illness. And contemplating suicide, I think, is is when you hit rock bottom, right? When when you don't see um, a way to exit your current problems, when you don't see uh, how you could ever get better. I mean, it's when you hit. It's when things become so bad that the only better alternative that you find for yourself is to end your life. And ten, one in ten people have thought about this, man. This is serious. This is serious. I mean, already, like in normal years, you know, this month, you know, December, January, February, they they're really hard for people because they're dark and they're cold, and uh, you know, people try to. Um, find ways to distract themselves but i understand why for some people it is harder now with everything that's happening i mean you open your fucking cell phone and you see you know death cases panic um and now they're telling you well you cannot even go outside what do you think this is going to do to uh, to people in general i mean personally i've have been trying to handle this by keeping myself distracted with uh, sports uh, with the school uh, but you know there are some times where I'm like, this is this is difficult. Uh, how long is it going to last? Really, how much of this can I handle? And I consider myself to be a mentally tough person. Now, somebody who, you know, was a little more vulnerable, I cannot imagine how hard this must be for them. I mean, if you're unemployed, if you uh, if you have to stay at home in the dark, you know, cold, not being able to see anyone. You turn on the, your computer, your TV, or anything, and all they talk about is about the goddamn virus. It has to be difficult. So, people are contemplating of killing themselves. That is a huge indicator, a huge indicator of how mentally the mental to- the mental to- the mental toll on people uh, is really hard. But. I guess the government sees this and they say, well, you must not get infected with COVID. You know, the worst thing that can happen to you, to your family or to anyone else is getting infected from COVID. So, you know, too bad if you feel sad. But that's not the only consequence. Um, people are losing their businesses. People are losing their livelihoods, their jobs. I mean, how, as the, as the government, how can you ask people to stop functioning and you have nothing to, to back it up with? Nothing. 
Nothing, because like I said before, this is obviously not working. So how do you tell people, well, you know, you know, this thing we've been doing for four months, you know, the restaurant we closed, your restaurant that we closed, the business that you had that we shut down, uh, your livelihood, we pretty much took it away from you. You cannot see your family. You cannot see your loved ones. Well, we're going to keep doing this until, you know, (laughs) until we hope that numbers go slightly below, you know, when they, when they, when when we're able to say proudly that uh, people are dying because of us. How do you tell people that? You don't. And uh, the price that we're paying for this is way too high compared to the uh, compared to the uh, to the to what we're getting in exchange. Now you may say, well, Fernando, haven't you seen hospitals are overflown? Uh, you know, uh, doctors and nurses are really tired. They can't do this no more, right? Uh, I can show you right now that this happens every winter. I mean, think about it. Try to remember. You know, have you seen the debates that go in the province when there is an election? They dedicate an entire uh, block of the com- of the conversation of the debate to the healthcare system because the healthcare system in Quebec has always been underperforming to say the least i mean think about it uh, you know uh, the chiefs of the parties they of they always like one of the topics they talk about is about the conditions the horrid conditions all people live uh, when they live in a C a C H S L D. The horrible conditions, the mistreatments, their condition of life is really poor. This was before the pandemic, folks. Um, the amount of hours one had to wait if you had an emergency, it could be between twelve hours, sometimes days. This is not new. And I don't know why it's being reported. Like, I mean, I understand, obviously. I mean, I'm not saying that doctors and nurses aren't working, but this isn't... I mean, you're telling me that the system is overwhelmed. When is it not overwhelmed? When is it not? Has there been a year when the system, the healthcare system, has been, like, top working, you know, like, oh, my God, like, yeah, hospitals are empty, and, uh, I mean, we're, we're letting people go because there is nothing to do for nurses nor... I mean, this has been an ongoing problem forever, forever. But now we're being told this like, oh, news, you know, breaking news. Uh, hospitals are overflown. I mean, seriously, I mean, when are they not, not overflown? And uh, I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to sound cynical. But doctors and nurses, I mean, this is what you signed up for. Right? I mean, you are getting paid premium man like hospitals and doctors and i'm not saying they don't deserve it they deserve it right they they go through an education and um they're very smart people obviously Uh, they're they're doing god's work but uh i mean when i see uh, there's like a report of nurses quitting or or like just living uh uh, living because they can't do this anymore i mean 
I mean, what do you expect? It's like somebody who lists in the army and then they are sent to a war and they're like, what is this? Well, dude, this is what you signed up for. Right? So, do I expect this to work? Here's what's going to happen, in my opinion. In a month, vaccines are here, right? This is the first thing we talked about. In a month, I think that we'll see a decrease of deaths, right? Because all people are getting vaccinated. So uh, they're the ones who are going to be able to, you know, keep living their lives and not dying first. Uh, and when, ca- and when, when deaths are going to decrease, they're going to tell themselves, well, look, confinements work, you know, because people aren't dying anymore. And uh, as things uh, as things go on, you know, hopefully by February, like they said, like in a month, hopefully by then they'll uh, they'll really relax the measures, um, and they'll probably you know tap themselves on the back like, oh yeah, we did a good job. Um, I don't know anybody who feels like the government is doing a good job. I don't think that I don't think that they know what they're doing. I don't think they know how to handle this. And I read that the prime minister, he felt more compelled to do the curfew and the extension of the lockdown because the UK and France did something similar. So this guy is like, okay, well, let's see how the others do. <laughs> and we're going to do the same. No scientific reasoning behind it. No, they didn't talk to any economists. Economists. They didn't talk to any statisticians. I mean, of course, they talked to doctors. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. I don't know. I don't know how a doctor knows about, uh, you know, how to handle pandemics. But okay, yeah, talk to doctors. Um, the one thing that I really dislike, though, is that doctors are healers of the body, right? They heal our bodies. They do an excellent job at it. I mean, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a doctor. So it's like, it's a profession that I really hold in high regard. But doctors aren't economists. They're not statisticians. They're not sociologists or psychologists. They're not, they don't understand the financials of their decisions. Why are we allowing doctors to have to be the ones who have the say on what's happening. I mean, why? I mean, no, I understand. You have to talk to them, but like, why not talk to the others? I mean, obviously, obviously, not talking to business owners or economists is having a huge impact on our society. Right? I don't know. I don't know. I guess, I mean, you can tell me of, well, you don't know anything of what you're talking about. Obviously, these people know what they're doing. Uh, well, I mean, I may not know what I'm talking about, but uh, if you look at the numbers, they don't know either. And you cannot prove me wrong. Not really. So, I mean, what's the point? What, what's the point of this pod? What's the point of me talking to you about this? Well, first of all, if you feel frustrated about this, I really hope that we, you know, you feel identified um, but the one thing I want to ask from you tonight, while I record this, is for you to consider 
when the time comes, when election time comes, to remember all of this. To remember that um, the people who are there making decisions for us, they're not taking into consideration all the aspects of our lives. They're not taking into consideration how much money we have, how we feel, and what this is doing to us. Because let me tell you, man, to me, somebody who dies from Corona, somebody who kills themselves, is just as tragic. Just because somebody has Corona and dies from it or with it, doesn't make that death more um, media valuable than somebody who dies in silence because they couldn't handle this no more. Somebody who, who has COVID and has to stay at, a, at home, I'm sorry, who has to stay in home, is somebody who should have attention, yes, but somebody who is depressed should get just the same attention. They should also be in the news. They should also be numbers of people who are depressed, who are broke, who are contemplating suicide. Those people should be in the numbers up there, man. And those people should be taken into consideration because we make the majority. So remember this, these things in the next election and make sure that we tell the government that, that we won't forgive this. We won't forget and that uh, people like that who take decisions as a knee-jerk reaction, who don't back their decisions and who affect us more than it should, I think you should let those people know how you feel with your vote. Vote him out. I will vote him out. I will try to vote him out. I'll tell my friends, my family members to vote this person out. Because... Their incompetency, their blaming, their f finger pointing is unacceptable. It really is. And this should have never, never come. It should have, in, it should have never come to this. They had an entire summer to get ready. They had an entire summer to get ready to expect the worst. And while those months came by and went, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Nothing at all. Nothing. Nothing is helping. Nothing. The only thing that we have right now is the vaccines. That's the only hope. Because God, if the vaccines hadn't been here, I don't know. Man, this will be uh, the end of the world, really. But thankfully, we have the vaccines. They're being deployed. There, there are people getting vaccinated every day. So remember this. Vote him out for taking a year of your life. I mean, and I know maybe I sound like a diva, right? Oh, uh, you know, past generations, uh, they went through wars, they went through worse pandemics. Um, when I look at people in New Zealand, people in South Korea, in Australia, you know what's the worst? That we didn't have, we don't have to go through this. And our way of life right now, during a pandemic, depends on the 
comp on the effectiveness and the decision making of our government. And if things are as bad as they are right now, there is nothing, no one else to blame, folks. It's not the people who celebrate Christmas. It's not the people who celebrate New Year's with their families. It's the government. So I want to thank you very much. If you listened the whole way, I, I appreciate it. Um, I don't know when I'll make another episode again. Hopefully soon. Um, sometimes it's just really hard to push myself, you know, to, oh, man, am I really going to do this? Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's really hard. It's really hard. I'm uh, not going to lie. Uh, it's not hard to do an episode, but it's really hard to push myself. I guess I'm just being lazy. Um, but uh, I like doing this, though. Uh, please stay safe. Um, you know, I, I guess this is going to sound cliche, but talk to people, you know, don't, don't just keep this to yourself, man. Like get a fucking go. Like, I don't know, like grab your phone, text people, maybe give them a phone call or I don't know. I mean, if you feel like crying or if you feel sad or depressed or worried, I think you're, you're, you're right to feel that way and you should accept that. You know, you should embrace it. And it's okay. I mean, I guess we all feel like that. We're just handling differently. But, uh, yeah. Um, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to talk to people. So, thank you very much for listening. I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you next time. Hopefully this was uh, helpful to you. Uh, stay safe. Keep your family safe. And uh, I'll... I'll see you. Thank you. Bye-bye.